Hi, I'm Jimmy Alexander, and welcome to Out With Jimmy. It's the podcast where members of the LGBTQ community share their coming out stories with you. And our mission is to make sure everyone knows that they are not alone. If you go to Apple Podcasts, click subscribe. You won't miss any episodes. Plus, while you're there, it would not hurt my feelings if you wrote us a nice review and five stars. Thank you very much. Follow us on social media, Out With Jimmy. Instagram is Out With Jimmy Alexander. Today, you're going to hear what it's like to go through hell and back just to be yourself. That's because Taylor Luann Chandler is out with Jimmy. And I'm Taylor Luann Chandler. I live in the outskirts of Maryland, sort of near Baltimore, but in between here in the district. And I'm an activist. I'm in school for my master's. I'm married to Matthew, who's Secret Service. Um, oh. He loves when I say that. <laughs> I was born intersex, but I identify as a trans woman because I am not the gender that I was assigned at birth. Now, Taylor, when was the first time you said out loud to somebody else that you were a woman? Probably like two or three. I remember it vividly. I was in daycare and they asked the boys and the girls to line up and I just instinctively got in the girl line and they tried to remove me. And that's when everybody realized that we had a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Not to you. Not to you. Now, you're from Orlando, Florida. I was born in Maine, but I grew up in Florida. Okay. So how did your parents handle this? Well, my mother died when I was three months old. My dad's a jockey, lives in Maine. My grandparents raised me. Um, It was interesting. Being intersex, it turned out that when I was born, I had gender mutilation surgery. Excuse me for my ignorance. Okay. Now, when you say intersex, I don't know what that means off the top of my head. So could you explain that? It's an umbrella term, just like transgender. Um, But basically, it means that you either have sexual characteristics or chromosomes or something or ambiguous genitalia that makes it so you don't conveniently fit into the binary of female or male. You're three years old. You this happens at school. They talk to your grandparents about it. And what happens? Unfortunately, when I was born, doctors didn't make my family aware of what they'd even done. It was like, until this happened, no one even knew anything was wrong. At this point, it started like, you know, going with a therapist and playing with, you know, what do you want to play with? Mm -hmm. What do you want to draw? And I guess they learned something about that from all the things I picked or did. But I wasn't a girly girl. I hated dresses. I still kind of do. Um, I love Legos. I liked, I was always bossy. So I was always, <laughs> you know, it didn't matter whether girls or boys were around. I was always Wonder Woman and I was boss. Oh. Um, so I, I didn't fall into any kind of gender norm that we think of. And I think that's probably a good thing because we shouldn't have gender norms. Did you have to have the surgery? I didn't have to have any. Okay. Um, One of the things about being intersex, under the intersex umbrella, I'm what's called mosaic. So um, I didn't have testes. I didn't have ovaries. Um, I had ambiguous genitalia, kind of a combination of what looked like phallic, um, but also vaginal. Um, I had both tissues, um, but I had a uterus. Um, So once I... When did you find out you had a uterus? um, As a teenager, when they started doing all the genetic testing and I was going okay, through t- t- craziness. Think about that moment because obviously you remember the, those moments vividly going into the girls line. Being told, no, you've got to go over here. What was that like when you finally found out like, yes, I have ovaries. 
I hated my family. I felt lied to. I felt betrayed. I felt like I'd spent my whole life being made to feel like something was wrong with me. And all of a sudden, nothing was wrong with me. Something was wrong with all of them. I never, ever said I wanted to be a girl. I just said I was one. You know, my nowadays, you can change your gender marker fairly easily. But back then, you had to go to court. I had my birth certificate changed before I had any surgery. Um, I had my name legally changed as a minor. I transitioned as a child. It made it so that I didn't have to go through a lot of the masculinization process. I, I never shaved. No one knows me as something else. So that's a big, big help. Do you feel lucky that you were able to do that at such a young age? I do recognize my privilege, but going through everything I went through as a child, everything was a fight. Everything was a struggle. Everything was hard. And I never understood why. Even to this day, sometimes, you know, we all get to that point where we have one of those woe is me or why is me uh, or why me. And, you know, I wonder why my life had to be so difficult. But sometimes I think being here right now this is part of it. You know, when I tell my story, I tell my story for several reasons, but one of them is a cautionary tale. Another one is to have visibility out there so that someone doesn't feel like they're different or wrong or a freak or whatever. Um, And at the end of the day, it's therapeutic for me um, to get some of this out. But it was rough. But I do recognize that being white, being passable, gave me a lot of privilege. When you look at the suicide rate around uh, among trans uh, men and women, it's heartbreaking. It's astronomical because you're you're in, you're in a body at war with itself. You're dealing with all this social stigma. Um you're you're screaming for acceptance, like and validation. You know, one of the things that I got from all my childhood trauma is I have borderline personality disorder. You know, people are always like, what is that? And I'm like, well, I never really developed my own personality. I adapt. The best way to explain it is like the runaway bride. Whoever she dated, that's how she liked her Mm. eggs. Those were her, her, what she liked to do. You become whatever somebody wants because you have no sense of self. It sounds crazy, but you're always adapting. You're always like a a chameleon. chameleon. A chameleon. How old were you when you were able to get your... Your birth certificate changed. Um, I was 15. Did your grandparents help you or did you do that on your own? No, I took them to court and I emancipated. Um, I got custody of myself and did all that on my own. So you're a 15-year-old kid. You would have been freshman high school? I left right before I would have gone into ninth grade. How did you do that? Um, And how did you have the strength as a child to do that? I didn't know anything better. I didn't leave home because of gender related anything you know i was the victim of um molestation as a child it wreaked havoc on me mentally and my grandparents wanted to protect the people involved they didn't want people to know yeah um and i was given an ultimatum you know if i was going to continue to pursue these people being prosecuted i'd have to leave and I left. So I got a one-way plane ticket and $3,000, and I never looked back. My grandfather died 30 days later, and my family blamed me. My grandmother and me came back to peace, but it took a long time because we had this love-hate where I needed her to admit what was done to me. 
And once again, there was blame involved. You know, everything that I did as a child, I was always accused of, why are you acting out? Why are you doing this to Nana and Bumpa, what I called my grandparents? I didn't have any outlet for what I was going through. So I was, I'd have amazing tantrums where I would punch glass out. Mm. You know, because in those moments, there's no sense of reality. No one's supposed to protect you like your parents. So your parents aren't there and you have grandparents. And they are questioning all these things about you when you're just trying to survive. So I bet you felt alone. There were signs. You know, I don't understand how they didn't know. For example, blood in the bathtub. Why? You know, that would have made sense. Soiled underwear because it hurt to go to the bathroom, so I wouldn't go to the bathroom. I have so many memories of being a child and sitting on the heel of my foot to prevent me from going to the bathroom because it was going to hurt. Well, you don't know as a child. That makes it 100 times worse. And so then by the time it does happen, it's horrible. And my grandparents, how how did they miss these things? Um, How did they not think it was weird that I was not like any other child in our family, that there was just nothing remotely similar in any way, shape, or form. And why I protected him for so long, I have no idea. I had a love-hate with that, too, because this was the only person that showed me attention. This is the person that made me feel loved. So (laughs) talk about daddy issues and all the other issues. you're speaking of the person who molested you. Correct. There's two people involved. And so there, you know, and I should start off the first thing when we started talking, walked in the studio, I said, what can't I ask you? And you, you said, you can ask me anything. Yeah. And so there you are probably feeling alone quite a majority of your childhood. And now you have somebody showing you attention and love and affection, not realizing this is just the wrong and the worst thing that can happen. So finally, when you spoke up, what happened? Um, that's when my grandparents were like, well, first of all, they asked me how I allowed it to happen. Because mm, it's your fault. Because I dropped it out. There's there's a yeah. gap between when it ended and when I remembered it. Um, I had a mental breakdown um, in third grade. I was um, institutionalized mm. that summer in Jackson Brook Institute. And when I came out, I guess my way of coping was I just mentally blocked it. And so I switched schools. They cut my hair. They forced me to wear a boy uniform. It was horrible. So I started fourth grade at a private school, but my memories just wiped and washed away until one day someone from my childhood came to my school, enrolled, and in trying to remember him, I remembered everything. Mm. And that started a string of suicide attempts, Starting in like 1987, from 1987 to 1990, I attempted suicide 17 times. And I was in and out of programs. At this point in my life, even if I was that desperate, I've come to the conclusion that God just isn't willing to take me. (laughs) Um, I feel like I I can't die. I know that sounds bizarre, but I really feel that. So you believe in God? I do. There had to be so many times when you were a child praying to God, make this better. And he has. And he did. So you fly away with three grand at 15 years old, emancipated yourself, and you went where? I went back to Maine to be around my mom's side of the family. Um, And I grew up really quick. 
I got multiple jobs. Um, that part of Maine, Old Orchard Beach, Biddeford, Saco is very seasonal. So summer's great. But once Labor Day comes, yeah. everything shuts down. So I went back home for about, I don't know, two or three months. Couldn't deal with it. And that's when I actually left for good again. And then that's when my grandfather passed. And um, from then on, I just knew there was no one there to protect me. There was no one there to make me safe. I've, you know, until I got married recently, I don't know that I've ever felt safe in my mm. entire life. Once I made my life, my story is similar to so many. Um, I ended up having a girlfriend that introduced me to, um, you know, the high class world of sex for money. You know, I never walked the street or did what most people think of in terms of survival sex work, but I had goals. And this was a time where you didn't have insurance. You didn't have things paying for everything. I didn't live with my grandparents. So I got my surgeries. I paid for stuff. I bought homes. I bought cars. And then when I had gotten to where I wanted to be, I went to my pastor and his wife, and I said, help me get out. One second, Taylor. Each week <laughs> we have a uh, out-of-the-closet cocktail, and you picked— A caramel ice latte. Which I've never had a latte. Cheers. And cheers. Okay, that's so good. yummy. Now, I have to say, it got real pretty fast here. Life does not give you the instruction book on how to survive by selling your body. Mm -mm. That is a way to grow up fast. And not often do you hear the happy ending stories with that. Well, I feel like we all have a choice in life. I could have probably gone to a shelter. I could have lived with family on a cat. There's a million other things that could have taken place. I didn't choose that. And I'm not saying other people choose or don't choose. Um, but for me, mm -hmm. I chose to do what I did, but I had goals in mind. But it it takes a piece of you away, slowly but surely. And it made it so I couldn't have relationships while I would was doing that with my life. You know, the worst thing that ever happened was the day I realized the effect I had on men um, because it was like a double-edged sword. And I used sex as a weapon. The The side of what I did that I loved was the control that I had. Mm -hmm. I could make men so weak and docile and just do whatever I wanted them to. And men, this approves, <laughs> men are idiots. And um, <laughs> how long did you do that for? I did it for seven years. Seven years. And um, again, you said I could ask you anything. Yeah. What's the most money you made in a given day? Probably twenty five, thirty thousand. 30,000. Do you have names and numbers? <laughs> I think I could uh, give away some part of myself here. Um, actually, it's always if I ever was going to be a dancer. Uh, and I take did my, that too. Well, what I would do is I would start naked and they would just pay me to put my clothes back <laughs> on. That's what I would do. Well, you want to hear funny. Well, when I got my surgery... I lost my ability to be this niche that created so much money. Yeah. And so I I needed to work. I was just so happy to get my surgery. I hadn't planned for all the rainy days coming. <laughs> and so I worked at Rachel's in Orlando. Okay. And um I I started the dancing gig and which was very similar to being an escort because you learned how to manipulate men and you learned you got your regulars, and they'd bring you gifts, and you knew how to— Did you like them? I did. If it, it, was it different than the clients that you had as an escort than you had at the uh, as dancing? There's very few people that I didn't 
like? Um, I didn't, I don't have like an experience where things went really wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm lucky. And if I felt something was off, I would end it before it ever got to go anywhere. So I don't have a horror story. And, you know, I didn't do drugs or drink when I danced and worked. So because I wanted to keep my senses about me, I'd let them do whatever. Why do you think men go to escorts? And dance clubs? Um, because I think it's the way it makes them feel. It's not that they don't love their significant other. It's something's missing or something's aloof. And in those moments, they feel like them or whole. Or the same way I felt the power, they feel something too. Whatever that something is, it's a feeling. When When a man says... It meant nothing. It's the God honest truth. Because a man can do his business, dust off, walk away. For a woman, it's different. I'm not saying there's women that aren't that way, but it's just different. What's the nicest gift you received? For me, I'm a purse fanatic. So I got the Louis Vuitton Murakami Rita Hayworth bag, which was like (laughs) $4,000, the matching wallet. you know, we spent thousands that day from Manolo's to BCBG gowns. And it made him feel good, didn't it? Yeah. Other than... I well, know. one thing I learned is men love spending money on gifts and things more so than just giving you cash. Yes. And I like getting those things, but at the same time... You would have liked the cash, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so a lot of times I re- return things. Can I have a gift receipt, please? Yes. So, and forgive me, because... If we were just having lunch, I would never ask you these questions. But now I feel like I can. He's a liar. Um, I would have asked. That is true. <laughs> How long were you with him to earn thirty-five grand? A couple days. Wow. You must have been a ha- you must have been happy when you were driving home. Well, you know that's nothing compared. I mean, I'll fast forward and come back. But the Bunny Ranch, you know, Dennis Hoff, the mm-hmm. deal they offered me was so difficult to turn down. You know, they were going to guarantee me. Uh, daily rate. I wouldn't have to do the lineup. I could have all private clients. They would have been from around the world. Minimum, I would have gotten 10000 every... Oh, it was just amazing. It really... Did you work there? No, okay. but I thought about it. Yeah. I know for some people, they're thinking, oh my God, I could never do that. Because of what I went through as a child, sex doesn't hold that same intimate meaning that it probably should for other people. Mm-hmm. Like I could hold hands and just grow gracefully. Um, I am not a sexually driven, motivated person in any way, shape or form. And that's made it really pleasant for me most of my life. Mm. Um, because I don't have that, that lust or that I need that feeling or I need that release or, you know, even with a guy, you know, there's nothing anyone's ever going to do to me that's going to yeah. make me go, ooh, I love him. <laughs> I hope your husband doesn't hear that. <laughs> My husband, you know, he he he's a good guy. He's he, Is there a better I came a, with a lot of baggage. Is there a better compliment than that to somebody? A man. He's a good guy. I think that is the ultimate compliment to somebody. Before you had the surgery, you were I had a niche. A niche, that's it. The niche was what? What surgery did you have? Um I had vaginal um, reconstruction to make it so everything worked again. Um, I had implants, 
Um, I had a nose job, but just like a little, nothing, nothing that made me dramatically look different. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have a penis? Yes. For lack of a better word. Was that part of the niche? Yes, absolutely. So many women, cause I have friends who told me that they're terrified because they saw their, their husband's computer and they looked up trans porn and they would ask me because when you're gay or or lesbian trans, that, that now we're the expert of, of all of these type things. And they would ask me, does this mean my husband's gay? And I would always say, no, I don't think it does. It means he's adventurous or something like that. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I don't know. My husband didn't know anything about me before he met me. Um, that's certainly not the reason he's with me. Plus, I'm anatomically female, have been for decades. For someone that's drawn to a woman that's like the best of both worlds, I don't, that doesn't make them gay because I think you can attest to this. You're not attracted to women. There would be nothing. Oh, I'm bi. So I, so oh, okay. I am. Well, so yes. So, you're not the right yeah, yeah. person. No, I'm, I've been not the but, right person for a lot of people. But typically a gay male. Yes. Has, is, if they see something that looks female, there's zero attraction yeah. going on. So it wouldn't matter what was between their legs. When I went to court to change my gender, I said to the judge, I said, if I put a penis on you, would that make you a man? She said, no. I said, well, if your husband lost his penis, would that make Mm. him a woman? She said, no. I said, not once have I looked between my legs to know who I am. Never, ever. Nobody does. And people have always questioned how you could know who and what you were so young. I just knew. Um, Just like someone might know they're gay or someone knows they're a girl, someone knows they're a boy, even if it's the right plumbing. You know. You just know. You're not going, hmm, let me, you know, what's, okay, what am I again? No one's doing that. At the end of the day, a man that likes someone like me that is drawn to that still likes women. They're not going to go be with a man. They're not going to go be with someone that looks like a guy that has a penis. You know, they want a girl. They want a girl that's just special or different or something extra, or I don't even know how to explain it because I'm not attracted to that. But at the same time, I think trans people put a stigma on men that are drawn to that. Mm. We, We call them tranny chasers. Malik Yoba came out recently saying he's trans attracted. Mm -hmm. And what I didn't hear him say is that he loves trans women. He said he's trans attracted. So that made it seem very physical to me. Mm -hmm. I met him. I don't know, know him. But I'm guessing if he's drawn to someone that's pre-op, he's not going to be drawn to me in the same way. Mm -hmm. So the way he likes the mother of his children is not necessarily the same way he likes a trans woman, but they're still women. Yes. And I know that's hard for people to believe, but it goes back to what I said. Nothing between your legs has ever dictated who or what you think you are. So let's talk about you go to your minister and his wife's home. Mm-hmm. And what is that journey like for you? Whirlwind. Um, we went and removed what I called office supplies from the house, mm-hmm. condoms, lube, my black books my multiple phones, all this stuff, Um, threw it away. Um, I started intense counseling um, to get right. 
because I needed to get right. I felt filthy, dirty. Um, not literally, but if um, you wouldn't have changed and and left that world, where would you be today? I still wouldn't have been in that world. I wanted to be right to marry somebody. I met someone, I was falling in love, and I wanted to be a good wife. And I represented none of those things. And so I needed to get right. Maybe that's cliche, but that's what I did. And they helped me get a job. I went to work for Estee Lauder. They helped me pay my mortgage, my car notes. They helped me adjust back to normal life. Because when, you, when you're making this kind of money up here, you're living up here. Mm-hmm. Then when you come down to making money here, you're still living up here. And it's a really tough transition. Yeah. To this day, I hate the smell of money. I always remember that feeling of wanting to change money into something else, mm-hmm. a, a purchase, a gift, a car, something that made me feel good. I showered gifts on everybody mm-hmm. around me. Everybody benefited from the life that I led those seven years, including family, close friends, everybody, even without them knowing the people that I dated. Yeah. I want to uh, take your hand here and show this ring here that <laughs> you are now married. I am. And how did you meet your husband? Tinder. Worked for you. It did. Don't judge me. I met mine on a scruff. Mm. I I swiped left a million times. He kept trying. Why did you stri- Why did you not go for it in the beginning? Because ever since my life took a turn five years ago, um. I've always questioned why people want to be with me, meet me. Um, And then I didn't really think he was grasping the intensity of who I am. Yeah. And it literally took me sitting him in front of a computer and Googling myself because I said, Google me. He wouldn't. But when he saw it all Mm -hmm. on the screen, just pages and thousands of photos, all of it, he understood why I was so concerned, mm-hmm. but it didn't change anything. So you've been together how long? Almost two years. And you said for the first time in your life you felt safe. I did. Tell us about him. He completes me. Like, we have a family. I don't feel like something's missing anymore. So I feel like, like you, I was outed. Um, I lived my whole life stealth. No one knew my business. Um, I didn't tell the people I dated. I didn't tell girlfriends, nothing. And when I was outed in 2014, my whole world came crashing down. I once again tried to kill myself Mm. um, because I couldn't deal. All of a sudden, when someone looked at me, I was like, are they looking at me because they think I'm attractive? Are they looking at me because they hate me? They think I'm a freak. Like, what is going on here? And it was devastating to me. And everything about my womanhood was in question. And I didn't know how to deal with that. And then my borderline personality disorder took over and I was manic for a good year. And I think everything that transpired from September of 2014 to probably the same time in 2015 is a major product of borderline personality disorder. How were you outed, if you don't mind me asking? Well, in the summer of 2014, I was on Tinder Mm -hmm. and um, met someone. We connected over horses. 
my dad being a jockey, him owning horses, blah, blah, blah. Started chatting, getting closer, talking more, talking more, meeting, hanging out. Then in September, it got to that point where I was like, okay, we're going to go to the next level. And um, we were intimate. And up until that point, I had never felt the way I felt with this person because it was the first time someone took me out of my own head and I I felt whole, not whole like whole as a, just a whole person. Mm -hmm. Like I felt free, like I was not worried about anything. What happened next was that person got a DUI and in the midst of him getting the DUI, the media got involved and then... At first, I was outed as his girlfriend. Then I was outed as his cougar. Then I was outed on November 19th of 2014 on the cover of the National Enquirer, TMZ, and Radar Online as Michael Phelps' girlfriend was born a man. Mm. And it turned my whole world upside down. Next week, Taylor Luann Chandler will be back, and she will open up in ways she never has about her relationship with Michael Phelps, Plus, tell us the reason she filmed with Vivid Video. Don't miss it. Go to Apple Podcasts, click subscribe, and you won't. Thanks to WTOP and Julia Ziegler for allowing us to record in your studios. Plus, a big thank you to you for listening to Out With Jimmy. And remember, you'll never know when the last time you'll be able to tell someone you love them. So go ahead and tell them now.